are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Diamondbacks Podcast. You're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day you're listening to who? The always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer. So please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just go follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account or just look up Locked On Dimebacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. But what are we talking about today's show? Well, there is a whole bunch of reportings and different things coming out of the CBA lockout, a whole bunch of reportings on rules that might be changed during during this CBA lockout. And I just want to talk about those potential rule changes and tell you and tell you if I'm in or out on these rule changes, we'll break them down. We'll discuss if they're good or bad for the players, the owner. So we're just going to give our thoughts on the potential rule changes that could be coming out of the CBA lockout. And then for the final segment, we got something fun, a Hall of Fame debate, Big Poppy versus A-Rod, who should be indicted or not indicted, inducted into the MLB Hall of Fame between those two players. We'll break down their cases or lack thereof. So we got a jam-packed pod as always for you guys. But first, before we get into the podcast, I first want to say thank you for making Lockdown Diamondbacks your first listen every day. I would not be doing this podcast without you, the listener, sharing, listening, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms. But now let's jump into the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. <laughs> Daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Miller Thomas of Locked On Diamondbacks still here. Let's first start with the potential, the first potential rule change and just the overall idea of economics and baseball. It's more of a complex issue, not really one thing you could tie it to, but It's allowing players to get to free agency quicker, the idea of manipulation of service time, and the declining player salary we see every year in baseball. So why do players want to get to free agency quicker? Well, teams are holding on to major league, young major league ready talent in the minors early to avoid starting that clock of six years of major league service time. Teams don't want their players to get to free agency quicker because it means they have to pay them quicker. So they're rather manipulate their service time a little bit, send them back to the minors if they feel like they need to, uh, if the team feels like they need to, even if the player is ready and is already a stud, the team might just send them back to the minors to keep that clock rolling so they don't have to pay them right away, which is not very fair to the players, of course. And players, even after waiting six years, there's been a trend the last few years where these players are actually making more money than they used to, despite the inflation and 
the the price of these MLB teams going up, the evaluation of these MLB teams going up, players are starting to make less money in free agency. In 2017, the average annual salary for a baseball player was $4.1 million in 2017. For 2021, it's expected to be around $3.6 and $3.7 million. Doesn't seem like a huge jump, but it is a significant decline. I mean, if you told me I'm making a half million dollars more or less, I think I would be pretty happy with that as a podcast host. So I think these players care a lot about losing that average half million dollars between 2017 and 2021. In basketball, they have this thing called restricted free agency, which I guess is similar to the idea of a player not being able to leave their team right away and enter true free agency. For a player's first contract extension uh, after their rookie deal, they can go and seek out a deal somewhere else from another team. But if the team, but if the team that originally signed them matches that contract that someone else offered them, then they have to return to that original team. At least in that scenario, though, the player is allowed to seek out an offer from another team and force the hand of the of the team that originally signed them, of the team that originally drafted them. That's maybe the better way to say it, the team that's really originally drafted them. So that player can go out, seek a deal, get offered a fat contract from somewhere else, and then the team that drafted them either has to decide we're bringing him back or just going to let him walk in free agency. And also... When you look at football, and, and also there's no minimum number of years before hitting free agency in basketball, which I think is another important note between the difference between basketball and baseball. And even if you look at football, football has their own kind of thing too when it comes to arbitration because they have this thing called a franchise tag where they basically forced you into a one-year deal that you can't get out of. A player pretty much has to sign it and come back. And in football, the only difference is between that and what arbitration is in baseball, at least that one year is an average of the top five player salaries at the respective position of that player. In baseball, they're making the arbitration numbers up as they go. Like these players are being severely underpaid through arbitration. At least the franchise tag gives you a mega contract, even though it's only for one year. So those are probably the differences we see in other sports as opposed to the arbitration and six-year process you see in baseball before reaching free agency. A star baseball player is at the mercy of the team deciding whether they whether the team thinks they're young stud or however old they are deserves a mega contract early in their career. It's the team's choice if they want to give that Wander Franco, the Fernando Tatis, a contract early in the career before they even pop off, before they even really show up uh, even live up to those expectation levels. And before they start hitting arbitration, it's up to the team to decide if they want to give those players the early contract. So I think that's really not too fair for the players that they have to wait that long, six years. And we've seen these teams manipulate the service time to make sure they have to wait and hold on and and just procrastinate until they have to give up that mega contract. We saw it with Chris Bryant on the Cubs. He was going to win Rookie of the Year, and the Cubs actually decided to send him down to the minor leagues to continue extending his major league service time. Uh, and he, he wins Rookie of the Year, or I think he was going to. I don't even remember Chris, Chris Bryant wins Rookie of the Year, but they send him down because they want to extend extend his service time they send him down in the next season Chris Bryant still wins MVP so that lets you know right there 
The Cubs were just setting him down just for the fact of the money and the service time, not because of the play or the production, because the play and production tells you, it, it, it foretold us, it foreshadowed that Chris Bryant was going to be an MVP, and in the end, the Cubs didn't really care. Players really don't have a way of controlling their careers early unless they go the nuclear route like a basketball player and just decide, let's blow it up, trade me, I want to get out of here, because there's really no other way for a young stud baseball player, a Vlad Guerrero Jr., to really control their career and demand a contract that deserves to pay them what they're worth. Remember, Bobby Bonilla was paid more this past season than a Vlad Guerrero Jr., which is just insane to think about. And MLB is trying to, to MLB has this proposal where you have to be 29 and a half years of age before hitting that major league service time and becoming a true free agent. Major League Baseball wants you to become want you to be almost 30 years old before you become a free agent. Just think about that. So players like Vlad Guerrero Jr., players like Juan Soto would have to wait more than six years already of the current rules of Major League Service Time. Right now, those two would only have to wait six years, so they'll be around, what, 25 when they get those mega contracts. Or not 25, maybe 26, 27 when they, when they get those mega contracts. Under this new proposal, they would be in baseball for, what, eight years before they got a contract that would make absolutely no sense that would be very dumb to 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 change the idea of free agency and service time to to an age instead of actually how long you're in baseball so that would actually be moving backwards to go from the six years of major league service time we have now to making it just an age an arbitrary age of 29 and a half years of age so right now in conclusion the whole service time thing in general is just dumb. Players shouldn't wait until they're 30 years old because at that point of an athlete's career, the clock is already, the proverbial clock, the metaphorical clock is already on the athlete. So once you turn 30, it feels like there's a clock to how long your prime will last. And if you're telling me that a player is not going to become a free agent until they're 30? Like, that sounds terrible for these athletes. It's already bad that they have to wait six years before their major league service time is up. But now you want them to be actually 30 years old? They were already turning 30 years old because of the six-year rule. But now they're actually going to be 30 years old before they get that mega contract. It just doesn't make any sense to do that. Players should be getting paid earlier. They should be getting paid more. And at least, I mean, not more in terms of, Baseball players need to make more because they're not getting paid enough. They need to be paid more because they're making less than what they were in 2017. And when you just look at how the industry has inflated over the years, the last 20 years, the evaluation with these baseball stadiums and teams, the players should be making more to compensate for inflation. And I don't think that has happened. I'm not here going to bat saying the players aren't getting paid enough because they're getting paid millions of dollars and I would like to be paid like a baseball player, but they're not getting paid enough in terms of the inflation aspect of baseball, in terms of how much growth the team has seen as opposed to the players on their team. I don't think that has really lined up. So let's get rid of this major league service time, either shrink it, make arbitration shorter. I don't know what you have to do. And maybe the players too need to start thinking about taking shorter term big deals, doing the Trevor Bauer deals so you can maximize the most money of your career as possible. Don't take the 10 year deals. Wander Franco, like I said, I don't think you should have taken this long deal because because it's going to come up being under market value if you hit your expectation level. So I think it would have been smarter for him to actually just wait to sign his mega deal. But overall, let's change the major league service time. Let's get these 
players to free agency quicker let's get them paid quicker and let's get them paid a little bit more because if the players are happy then i think we're probably gonna have a better product on the diamond overall now let's talk about some more mlb rules that could potentially come out of this cba lockout but before we get there this episode is brought to you by built bar this holiday season grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar or even better than a candy bar built bar Filled with so much holiday goodness, rich with decadent flavor, covered in chocolate, but amazingly low in in calories, sugar, net carbs, and fat, and high in protein, you get the best of both worlds, delicious and healthy. So many flavors. Bilt Bar gives you that extra fuel. Gives you that extra fuel because it's the season of peace and love. Don't bring up your favorite Bilt Bar flavor at family parties. People are so passionate about their favorite flavor. You friends with Santa? Well, tell Santa to throw a few Bilt Bars in these stockings. Want to cozy up with something warm? Here's a holiday secret. Dip your Bilt Bar into a piping hot cup of cocoa. It is absolutely delicious. Like some of those marshmallowy treats around the holidays, you need to get your hands on some Bilt Bar puffs because they are exactly like a s'mores. Go to Bilt.com, use promo code LOCK15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Bilt.com. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the pod and let's discuss some more potential rules coming out of this CBA lockout. And uh, don't know. Let me just fix my notes here to make it more legible for me. But the first rule I want to talk about that could potentially be coming out of this CBA lockout is bringing the universal DH rule back is something I'm super passionate about. This is probably the rule I want to see change most of all because the fact that we don't have a universal DH is just fun. It is way more fun watching real players come up to the plate as opposed to watching these pitchers try to hit. There is as much strategy in the DH as opposed to having a pitcher hit, if not more. There's only strategy for the team with the pitcher about to hit. Do they want to execute a double switch or whatever that is? If I'm the manager on the other side, if I'm the manager going against the team that's the pitcher that's about to come up to the plate. My only strategy is to tell my pitcher to attack their pitcher at the plate. There's not much strategy for me as the manager seeing that other team's pitcher stroll up to the plate outside of just attack that attack that zone with strikes as much as possible because it's not very difficult to get those pitchers out. And so if I'm the manager, there's not much strategy to getting those pitchers out. Once I see that guy coming up to the play, once I see him batting uh, up on deck or something like that, I know it's actually easier. My job is actually getting easier because there's not much I have to strategize around that guy unless they're putting in some bench player. So if I'm the other side, if I'm the manager on the other side, I'm happy when I see a pitcher coming up to the plate in a big moment. But trying to be the manager as to figure out how to pitch around Big Poppy, I think that's strategy too. And there's strategy with how you want to build your lineup before the game even starts. Do you want to use the DH or how are you going to employ that DH? Who are you going to start at DH? Are you going to put a righty so you so you have that righty-lefty cross matchup, vice versa? I think it really depends how you build your DH is going to affect your team that day and your team overall during the season, the offseason, the GM has to think, do I want to go out there and sign an everyday DH like a Nelson Cruz? 
it's uh, it's a question these teams are going to answer if the universal DH comes back. But again, there's still strategy in having a DH. It's just a different kind of strategy when you have a DH as to oppose as opposed to having a pitcher on the field. And also, do we really want the strategy where a pitcher has to be taken out the game because you might need that extra 15% chance that the 11th man gets a hit? I don't think that's actually better for the game of the sport. Freddie Peralta was taken out after only 57 pitches in game four against ATL because the Brewers needed a bat and a run scoring opportunity. They weren't sure if they were going to get another chance to score a run. So they said, let's take out one of the best pitchers in baseball to put some random dude off our bench in the game. I think they put like Daniel Vogel back in the game like that guy over Freddie Peralta. Like we need to get the DH now in baseball because it's dumb that we have two leagues playing by two different rules for the last 30 years. Like, it, it, there's an advantage for the DH when you get to the postseason, depending on who the home team is. If it's the AL team, the home team that has the DH, that might help them. Then we go on the road. If you're a team like the Red Sox, now all of a sudden Big Poppy has to play first base or something else. Like, why do we have to have these differentiating rules where it actually affects the product on the field once we get to the biggest moments in the playoffs like that shouldn't be the case imagine if in basketball it was like only one team could shoot free throws during this game or if it was football if it was like only one team gets a kicker and can kick extra points like it doesn't make any sense why in baseball two leagues play by two different rules so we need to get the dh in here now and then the second rule that I want to talk about, but I'm not too sure if we're going to have enough time to actually talk about it. So I'm going to give a few more points on the DH rule and then just save it for the third segment. And then maybe we save the Big Poppy A-Rod segment for another day because I don't think we're going to have enough time to get to it. So a couple more points on the universal DH rule. Well, do you guys like seeing offense? Do you guys like excitement? There was way more excitement with the DH in the National League in 2020 as opposed to having a pitcher hit because I think we can all agree. I feel for I feel like for a lot of people who are pro anti-DH, if that makes sense, for people who were against the universal DH, I think a lot of them changed their minds after seeing the 2020 season because it was way more fun seeing actual players hit the ball and seeing pitchers hit the ball. They're just not enough occurrences. Pitchers have been getting worse the last couple of years at actually hitting the ball. The numbers are going down for pitchers despite actually being able to hit and being able to contribute to your team at the plate over the last how, however many years. These pitchers are actually going backwards. The numbers are going backwards for these pitchers. As we see the strikeout raise for these batters across the league, pitchers are becoming more dominant against batters across the league. We've seen the strikeout numbers trend and go upward. What do you think is going to happen for the pitchers that have to go up to the plate? They are doing worse as well. It is becoming less of an occurrence for the DeGroms and the Bumgarners and the Grinkies of the world to get a hit than ever before. So why do we want to put ourselves through that mess it makes no sense it affects the postseason as i said before again there's a whole new strategy when you get to the world series when you get to these two teams growing up and watching a lot of red sox games on the east coast seeing big poppy dominate when those nl teams come to fenway park was a huge advantage because now you can have big poppy at dh and still have another stud in the field of play while those nl teams were usually putting in one of their bench players in the dh spot then when the Red Sox had to go to the NL team on the road during the World Series, now all of a sudden Big Poppy is either playing first base or he may not even be in the game on the field, which is crazy to think about because of how great he's been as a postseason player. So 
The DH rule needs to finally be changed. We almost had a change years ago. I don't even know. But when they made the vote, one guy forgot to vote. He didn't submit his vote. And it's the only reason why we don't have the universal DH rule now. No other sport, at least among the four major American sports, have their two conferences played by two different rules. It's an unfair advantage depending on who the home team is. It's not as fun watching pitchers hit. Like a pitcher getting a hit is cool, but it should be a rare occurrence like a position player pitching. We shouldn't have pitchers actually trying to hit the ball every day. Like we shouldn't have position players trying to pitch the ball every day. So again, let's get the universal DH rule back to baseball because it will just help increase the popularity of the sport. Now we're going to talk about expanded playoffs and the tanking issue in baseball as we rock, as we wrap up the Lockdown Dimebacks podcast. But this episode is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Today, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle. DirecTV Stream brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, which means you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. And the best part, there's no annual contract, so stop waiting and get your TV together to, and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back to the podcast and let's discuss the expanded playoffs and tanking issues or rule changes that potentially could come in baseball because I think these two are kind of interlocked, the expanded postseason and the tanking issue in baseball because I think these two are actually intertwined because, again, I'm going to say because, I'm going to say intertwined again because, because, because when I think of these two teams, again, teams, what am I even saying? When I think of these two potential rule changes, if we have expanded playoffs, I think that can help fix the issue with the tanking. Expanded playoffs would bring more would bring more teams money and increased television and ticket revenue. And we know from the MLB Players Association side, the director, Tony Clark, has been really upset with tanking. So the tanking issue would be helped by expanded postseason, and the expanded postseason would be bringing extra money to the owners, which they would want. So I think expanded playoffs could be a win-win for both sides because you don't have to look very far to see this as an actual case study in sports because I'm the kind of guy that when I heard the M- when I heard the NBA might expand and do this little play-in tournament, we have more teams with a chance to make the postseason. I was like, already half more than half your league is making the playoffs. And I think that just dilutes the actual postseason and the postseason play and the teams are getting there. I don't want to, I was the guy beating the drum that's saying, I was the guy beating the drum and saying, I don't want to see these below 500 teams make the postseason. And that's still true. But now that I'm seeing the play in tournament in action, it is a fantastic idea because one, it increases the importance of the regular season the regular season is more fun than ever because even these teams that don't feel like they're that good on paper even they feel like they have a chance and they go out there and they try even more more teams are trying in baseball the competitive integrity like tony clark has said has been improved in basketball because now you just have to be the 10th seed and you might have a chance of making the postseason and also in the offseason the point number two These front offices now are willing to spend a little more money if it means getting that 10th seed, making the postseason, and getting some extra postseason revenue. Again, it's not like 
it's it's not like I'm saying we have to get more teams in the postseason because it feels like there's not enough teams in the postseason now. I'm not saying that. I'm saying we need more teams in the postseason because it would actually make the regular season more exciting. These games feel more exciting in basketball because they feel like they have a little bit more importance, a little bit more urgency to them. And in the offseason, I think it would make these teams that are usually less inclined to spend, maybe actually make them more inclined to spend. Now, the pushback is, like I said before, allowing below 500 teams or worse in the postseason, which a lot of people don't want to see. They don't want to see crappy teams in the postseason, which I understand. I don't want to see crappy teams in the postseason either, but really I don't want to see crappy teams in like the basketball postseason where the better team usually wins. In the NFL, it's a one-game series. Anybody can win a one-game series. In baseball, you have seven-game series. And even with that being said, anybody can win because you just look at this most recent World Series. The Atlanta Braves had the least amount of wins of any playoff team and they won the World Series. The Dodgers were at like 112 wins while the Braves were at 88 wins and won the World Series. The Royals made their World Series pretty recently with only 89 wins. The Nationals won it as a wild card team recently as well. Record doesn't matter once you get to the MLB postseason. Anyone can win as long as they get hot. Look at the Red Sox. Everyone thought they were going to get smacked by Tampa Bay, and they destroyed Tampa Bay. They came within two games of winning the World Series. We need to get expanded postseason into playoffs or get the expanded postseason into baseball because it would add a greater importance to the regular season, and it would bring extra revenue to the to the owners, a little bit extra revenue to the players, and I think it would help the tanking problem we see now. MLB has gave a proposal to the players, gave a proposal to the players where they said reducing the luxury tax ceiling from $210 million to $180 million while pairing that with a salary floor of $100 million could be a rule that we see change in baseball, which is not something I'm a huge fan of it depends how we break it down because I'm a huge fan of giving a salary floor of $100 million. That means those bad teams would have to spend a little bit more in free agency. And I think it would help those fringe those fringe guys get a little bit more too because all of a sudden now those teams that still might want to tank just say, hey, this guy who wasn't going to get more than $3 million anyway, maybe we'll give him $5 million on a short-term deal. You might see more short-term bigger contracts with a salary floor. But I do not like the luxury tax being lowered from 210 million to 180 million because that is kind of like a fake salary cap. Basically after three years, these big market teams have to reset their salary cap because of the penalties that incur when you go into the luxury tax season after season. So if you lower that luxury tax threshold, it's gonna make the big market teams even less inclined to spend, which we don't want. If anything, we want the salary floor, which which with not which with an increased salary tax of maybe 250 million so i'm not a fan of lowering the luxury tax but i am a fan of the salary floor anything but bringing the salary cap to baseball so overall we need to get us the universal dh and we need to get more teams in the playoffs i agree the tanking problem is an issue in baseball but another issue that we don't talk enough about Someone like me, a D-back supporter, having to watch, what, 120 games, 100 games of meaningless baseball, adding those extra teams make the games a little bit more meaningful if it means my team has a slightly better chance of making the postseason, making every game a little bit more watchable. I would really appreciate that as a D-backs fan. So all the rule changes I said today, please, baseball, Rob Manfred, Players Association, 
Listen to what I said today, listen to my thoughts, listen to my suggestions, and let's make something happen. Now that's it for this edition of the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. Thank you to everyone who tuned in to today's podcast. Maybe we'll do that Big Poppy versus A-Rod debate tomorrow. I didn't realize it would take me so much time to just get through these potential rule changes. Of course, as always, come back tomorrow for more Locked on Dimebacks, for more D-backs news coverage and insight. Of course, thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks your first listen every day. It's free and available on our Uh, It's free and available on all platforms. And of course, as always, stay safe and stay healthy. Deuces!